3.12, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, as people that God has chosen. I love a couple of these verses um, found in 1 Peter that, that talk about that as God's chosen people. He says, the objects of God's love, but 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10, two of my favorite verses in all the New Testament. This is what Peter says. Again, to believers, to those who know Jesus, he says, but you are a chosen people. That's what Paul is saying right here in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. Uh, he calls them chosen people, but he says here, Peter, Peter's saying, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Wow. All four of those titles for, for those who know Jesus are just full of meaning, pregnant with meaning, if we could say, and, and talking about all of what that means, but God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Then he says, as he goes on in verse 10, but once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. That's our identity, a people chosen by God. Once we had no identity, once we were not a people, but when we come to know Jesus, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Wow. We have made that book, Paul Tripp's book, New Morning Mercies, available and to you, and they're all gone. But the, the, the whole idea of that is, is, is that God's mercies are new every morning, and when he saves us, when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin, we become beneficiaries of his grace and mercy. Grace very simply put, giving to us what we do not deserve. God's unmerited, unconditional favor on us. Mercy, God's not giving us what we do deserve. As individuals who are born sinners, come short of God's glory, come short of the standard that he has set for us, we deserve hell. But God has been merciful when we become a people of God because we believe on Jesus. We now receive God's mercy. And the wrath of God is no longer anything that's hanging over the head of a, of a person who knows Jesus Christ. We are chosen people. And because of that, Paul goes on back to Colossians chapter 3. They ought to dress in a certain way. Now, we're not talking dress code here, folks. We're, we're not talking about that. But, but Paul says here, he says in verse 12, clothe yourselves. Put on these virtues, these characteristics, these truths that are now or should be true of you. Why? Because we are God's chosen people. Because we're different. 
because now we're a people of God, because once we weren't, but now we are, because once we hadn't received mercy, now we have, because of what God has done for us. Paul goes back to chapter 3, verse 1. We started there last week, and, and we have been raised with Christ. If we have been raised with Christ, if we have been saved, then our lives ought to show that truth. We ought to show the difference by the way we live. And he says, so put on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And we're not going to dig into that, he says. But we need to live a life that demonstrates that we are God's chosen people. We show that by the way we dress internally. And that shows itself outside. These are all things that are true of us within, but they're all to be seen outwardly. What's in is always comes out, will always come out. It's critical that we understand that way, that we live in a way that demonstrates that we are God's chosen people. So then Paul goes on and he says, all right, verse... uh, 13, as he says, all right, put into action. He says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against somebody. Really, what's happening here when he says bear with, the idea is, in a sense, put up with. It's endure. But again, that requires uh, that kind of bearing with people because we are God's chosen people. It's not just an option. It's just not a nice thing to do. It's what we ought to, as those who have been chosen by God, do. Bearing with each other. Not allowing our natural reactions to take over when we're dealing with difficult people in difficult situations. Sometimes that's what happens, right? We let the natural response, and now we get ourselves in trouble. And when we do that, we're not demonstrating that we're God's chosen people. Bear with, and then he says, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. If you've been sinned against, you need to forgive. That's what Paul's saying. Forgive one another. And it's, and it's almost as if he's anticipating when he says, as he goes on, he says, if you have a complaint, if you have a grievance against somebody, you've got to forgive them. Absolutely. And, and then what, what he does is he, is he lays out the why. It is critical. It is absolutely necessary if we're going to deal with conflict with one another as people who know God, that we forgive each other and you say, how do you do that? We do it like God did it. We forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And there will be plenty of opportunities to do that. In fact, Paul, knowing that forgiveness is not our normal response, for those of us even who know Jesus, it it ought to be coming more natural to us, not natural in the sense of those who don't know God, but it ought to become more in keeping with who we are as God's chosen people and, and as we learn to forgive and respond with an attitude of forgiveness, the t- standard by which that forgiveness is to exist is as God forgave us in the same way. Wow. Now, that's, that's a tough standard. 
Because sometimes we're willing to forgive someone, but we draw a line. Right? This is right here. That's like drawing the line in the sand, right? That, this is as far as I'll go. But we saw that last week. Peter said, okay, Lord, how many times did I forgive somebody? Seven times. And he thought he was really up in the number. And Jesus, no, 77, really he meant all the time. And so he says, that's why you need to remember what Jesus did. We need to remember because we have been forgiven, we must forgive. Because we have been forgiven, we must forgive. That is absolutely essential to demonstrate the difference that God has made in our lives when he chose us to be his people. That's one of the big deals, you know, I was talking with Paul about this. Paul does a lot of counseling. He's been involved in that and training and, of course, the whole thing and, and, and talks with counselors, reads a lot of counseling. And, and, and I said, I'm going to assume that an unforgiving spirit is a big deal in the counseling situation. Absolutely, he said. Just think about that, whether it's husbands and wives or parents and children or Best friends who are at it or neighbors. And remember the Hatfields and the McCoys? I mean, <laughs> I didn't ever really know them, but we all, know, we all know how the story goes, right? Well, there was always something, always boiling, and, and we need to be ready. Because we who know Jesus have been forgiven, we must forgive. And forgiveness is hard, so how do we do it? And that's what we, I just want to zero right in on. How do we forgive? We looked at the what last week. What is forgiveness? We looked at then the why. Why should we forgive? And this morning we want to just quickly touch on the how. How do I forgive? Well, follow the model. The model that Paul laid out for us, that scripture lays out for us. Jesus, I referred to, uh, encourage you to check out uh, the parable of the unmerciful servant found in Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus told the story, call it a parable, but he told a story to teach his disciples, his followers, how they should forgive one another. And, and, and wow, I mean, it's an amazing story. Check it out if you didn't do that in Matthew chapter 18 because Jesus is really landing right in this same area. But follow the model he who has been forgiven much must forgive. He who has been forgiven must forgive. So verse 13, back to Colossians chapter 3. Bear with each other, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, love as the Lord forgave you. There it is. Forgiveness is an act of grace. There's a number of different words that mean forgiveness, but this one has to do with showing an unconditional act of grace. It is a decision, a choice that we make. It is not whether we feel like it or not. It is a choice that we make to demonstrate grace to an individual many times who doesn't deserve it. The story in Matthew chapter 18 that I just referred to that Jesus told, it was the idea of canceling a debt canceling a debt that that individual that the, the, the king in the story forgave his servant, that servant would never have been able to pay that debt. And folks, when we stand before God, knowing that we're born sinners, we have a debt that we can never 
pay, ever pay. There's nothing we can do. We can be, we can walk as many little old ladies across the street as we want. We can bake pies for people every day of the year. We can do all kinds of wonderful, we can give money and, and all kinds of things to other people and hoping that that earns before God a standing of goodness and forgiveness. But folks, the debt that we owe God because of our sin is so great, there's nothing we can ever do in and of ourselves to be forgiven. The debt cannot be, we can't take care of that debt, cancel the debt. But that's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why he gave his life voluntarily, willingly on the cross. He gave his life, sacrificed in our place for our sins so that our debt could be canceled. Our sin would be forgiven. God showed his grace to us. Paul says in Ephesians 2, it's by grace we've been saved through faith. We didn't deserve it, but because of God's love. And Paul goes on as he talks about this. And in verse 14, he says, over all these virtues, he's talking about the virtues that he mentioned back up a few verses or a couple of verses when he talked about compassion, humility, and patience. He says, above all these virtues, put on love. It's, it's, it's really, it's just uh, above these, put on love. Just uh, above these, love. We need to be people who, who know Jesus. We need to be those who show love. He says, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Love is the crown jewel of those characteristics of the virtues that are listening it's the most important and Paul emphasizes over and over and over again in his letters throughout the New Testament how important love is he talks about that in what we call the love chapter right first Corinthians chapter 13 uh, love is the greatest of all and, and and all of what that means love brings perfect unity to God's people so let me give you something to think about because how do we forgive? It requires us to demonstrate the love of God to an individual who doesn't deserve it when we forgive them. It's really, it's really what, what's involved here. It's demonstrating all these other things. Compassion and humility and kindness and patience. But you know what? Sometimes we can do those things on our own. It's love that makes them more meaningful but it's also love that ties us together as individuals. And there's a couple of different ways that we could look at verse 14 as it relates to, uh, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I, I believe as I read and studied through this, that this has to do with God's people in their diversity. Paul talked about up in verse 11, he talked about the, the Gentile, the Jew, the circumcised, the uncircumcised, the barbarian, the Scythian, the slave or free. He's talking about the diversity of that church. And, and I believe he's saying here that love joins us all together as one in community. That's the church. MacArthur Study Bible is great referring to this. I came across, says this, supernatural love, referring to verse 14 there, Poured into the hearts of believers is the adhesive of the church. 
the bond that holds us together. Love bonds the church together. That's what makes it all come together. That's why Jesus told the disciples in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, by this will all men know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another. You see, we, we talk about love a lot. Love is a verb. Love shows itself in action when we love people. So when we need to forgive somebody, we are demonstrating that love. That's, that's what Paul's driving at here. It's so critical that we understand. So this, because we have been chosen, we must love. I think I went by that already. There it is. Because we have been chosen, because we are God's chosen people, because we're different, because we've been raised with Christ, Colossians 3 verse 1, we must love. And this idea is repeated over and over and over again in Scripture. In fact, it is only the love of God that makes it possible for us to forgive others. Can't do it on your own. Just absolutely cannot. Oh, there may be some simple things. Somebody wrongs us, sins against us, and it's not that big of a deal, and, and, and we're able to handle it, and, and we say, okay, I, I forgive you. But many times the hurt goes deeper. And it's at those times, and those are the things that we typically remember, that only the love of God is going to allow us to deal with in our hearts as we forgive others. So necessary. In fact, that's why Jesus gave the great commandment. Do you remember the great commandment? We know the great commission, right? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey. Well, the great com commandment is found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 to 39. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's where it starts. This is the first and greatest commandment. Our responsibility as those who know Jesus, as those who have been changed to love God with everything we have, with all that we are. How are you doing with that this morning? How's your love for God? Have you spent some time talking to God this morning? Did you spend some time yesterday talking with God? Did you spend some time listening to what he had to say in, 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 his, in the Bible? This is God's talking to us. And when we talk about talking to God, it's, it's prayer. Did you ask God to prepare your heart for our time together this morning? Did you ask God to give you an open heart and mind to the truth of his word, or whatever that may be that was going to be shared? That's, that's God, I need you. God, I love you. I want to be more like Jesus. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, there's a reason why this is the first commandment and the greatest, and this is the second. Because if we don't love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, we will never be able to love our neighbor. Just impossible. Oh, you can do good things. 
but not the kind of love that God talks about, that is self-sacrificing love, that is put-them-first-always kind of love. And that's what Paul's talking about in verse 14 when he says, over all these virtues put on love because that's what will bind us as, as those in the church together as one. Sometimes we, we wonder why we don't get along with other believers. Because for, why we struggle to forgive other believers. Because you see, forgiveness is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. If your heart's not right with God, if in your relationship, we've talked about fellowship, 1 John 1, 9 a couple weeks ago, how that when we sin, it doesn't change our relationship with God. If we know Jesus, when we sin, we are still a child of God. Our sin doesn't change that. When I sinned and when I disobeyed my mom and dad when, they, when I was a kid growing up, that never changed, no matter how bad I did something or I was, how disobedient, if I lied to them or whatever it may have been, it, I was always going to be their son. Nothing would change that. And once we know Jesus, when we are forgiven, when we put our faith in what Jesus did for us on the cross to forgive our sin, we will always be a child of God, a son or daughter of God. Nothing can ever change that. But when we as believers, as children of God, sin, we break the fellowship. We talked about that. And it is critical that we make that right. Because if we're going to love other believers, if we're going to forgive one another as we've been forgiven, we must make sure that we are right with God all the time, that we have dealt with sin in our lives. Now, let me just wrap this up by saying, okay, we talked last week. How do we do this? Let me give you three promises. Ken Sandy, I mentioned his book, The Promise Maker or Keeper. And um, Promise Maker, there we go. I knew I'd get it. Promises of forgiveness. I got three he talks about, and, and I want to add some biblical... We talked last week uh, from Hebrews when the writer of the book of Hebrews quoted the Old Testament and what God said, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. He didn't say, I will forget your sins. He said, I will remember your sins no more. What's the difference? Because forgetting is a passive thing. It's a passive process. Over the years, you forget. Remembering is an active process when we choose. God says, I choose to remember, never remember your sins again. Not just to forget them, let them fade away. No, to choose never to remember them again. And that's what we need to do when we're forgiving. So let me give you these promises. Three promises of forgiveness. Number one, I won't bring it up to you. When I forgive you, I'm saying I won't bring it up to you. That's what it means. Again, we'll remember it no more. And remember, we are to forgive as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. You don't remind the one you forgave, hey, you know, I did forgive you that sin. We don't keep bringing it up as a means of manipulating, 
as a means of leveraging something that we want by reminding them of how we forgave them and how they sinned against, but we're good, we've forgiven. Well, if we're forgiven, we don't continue to bring it up. Why? Because it's like God. We don't remember it. An act of the mind of the will, we choose not to bring it up again. Secondly, I won't bring it up to others. Won't bring it up to God. I don't keep stirring the pot by talking about what I forgave to other people. Many times that's why forgiveness doesn't happen in the first place because we talk to everybody but the person that we need to be forgiving. We talk to people all around about what happened and what they did, but we don't go to that person and forgive. When we forgive somebody, we won't bring it up to other people. It's nobody else's business. Unless they're part of the problem, they certainly aren't part of the solution. And when we start bringing it up to others after we've forgiven an individual, now we're involved in gossip and slander and those things that are not in keeping with God, what God tells us. Don't keep stirring the pot by bringing it up to others. Thirdly, I won't bring it up to myself. When we forgive somebody, we let it go. We drop it. It's over. It's done. And that's sometimes the hardest one of the bunch, right? Because we continue to think about it. And we continue to dwell on it. We continue to let it stir us up and deal with the anger. And yet, when we forgive somebody else, we don't bring it up to ourselves again. That is critical. We do not intentionally recall or recollect or remind ourselves or anybody else of what has happened. We've been forgiven by God, by the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to forgive others as he has forgiven us. And just like when we're forgiven, God says, your sins I will remember no more. When we forgive others, that person's sin against us that we forgive, we will remember, we will choose not to bring it up in our own mind again. It's done, it's over, we're forgiven, that's it, move on. That's critical. Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? <laughs> it's a good thing God doesn't keep a record of our sins, right? He says, "Who? but with you, there is forgiveness. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 that love keeps no record of wrongs. That's the part that love plays in forgiveness. How do we forgive? We follow the model, the example of Jesus Christ and the way he forgave us and we exercise the love that has been shown to us in that forgiveness. We demonstrate that when we forgive others as well. Listen, we forgive because we've been forgiven, period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, as my mom used to say. It doesn't matter what was done. In fact, we could dig deeper and, and find out, well, what happens if they don't ask us to forgive? What if, if, if they don't repent? That's, a, that's another study that, you know, because sometimes the Bible says you forgive them when they repent. You don't forgive them if they don't repent. But other times it says you just forgive them. 
Well, you'll have to study that, and, and, and we'll get to that maybe down the road here. But as we talk about, we are responsible to forgive, period, because we've been forgiven. So let me ask you again as we wrap this up. Have you been forgiven? This morning as you sit here, do you know Jesus? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin? Do you know that Jesus died in your place for your sins? Do you know Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is the only way, by faith in his work on the cross, the only way that your sin can be forgiven? If you don't, you've never been forgiven. You need the forgiveness that God has provided in Jesus Christ. If you do know Jesus, you have been forgiven. Let me ask you this. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? We asked this, that, we asked this question last week. Is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Now, you may be thinking, oh, no, I'm straight. I'm good with people. Or you may be saying, yeah, but, yes, I know, but there is this, per but that was so long ago, and, and yet, what does God say? We forgive because we've been forgiven. And you may be thinking, wow, that forgiveness, that unforgiving are there a lot of people who just don't forgive others? <laughs> yep. Talk to counselors. We must learn to forgive. If we're going to deal with conflict in our relationships with one another, we must learn to forgive. Matthew chapter 5, this is what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You know your brother or sister, a believer, has something against you. Forgiveness is that important. And reconciliation is more than just forgiving. That's making it all right and, and, and whatever the... And, and I think that this could be... You could be on either side of the sin issue here. But when you know that the, your brother or sister has something against you, whatever that may be, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled. That's how serious Jesus says we should deal with sin. Let me ask that... Last question again. So do you love the Lord your God enough to forgive that individual? If you've got an unforgiving spirit for someone that's been there for a long, long time, do you love the Lord your God? The first and great commandment. Remember we looked at that? Love the Lord your God. That's the first and great. And then the second is like it. Love your neighbor. Do you love the Lord your God enough to forgive your neighbor or whoever that may be? That's the bottom line. When we forgive, we promise, I won't bring it up to you again, I won't bring it up to others again, and I won't bring it up to myself.
it's done. It's over. Because that's how God forgives us. Listen, we are the most forgiven people in the world. Those of us who know Jesus, the most forgiven people in the world. And that means we must be the most forgiving people in the world. Forgive as we've been forgiven. Father, thank you for the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that if there are any here today who have never experienced the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, oh God, I pray that you'd open their eyes, open their hearts, open their minds, cause them to see their sin and that it's only Jesus that can forgive that sin and change their lives, transform them, make them a child of God. And God, for those of us who know you, I pray that we love you with all of our hearts so that we can love and forgive our neighbor or our family member, our parents, our kids, our spouse, our friends, whoever it may be. God, help us as those who've been forgiven to forgive others. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.